Hello everybody and welcome to the latest Liverpool Blood Red podcast with me, Ian Doyle. Joining me today, I'm delighted to say we do have our full-time Liverpool reporter both home and away. It's James Pearce. Hi James. Hello Ian. Also joining us is Echo reporter Christian Walsh. Hello Ian. Hello. And another Echo reporter, Paul Gorst. Afternoon Ian. Who is of course the tallest member of the sports desk and a digital so, guru he is yes guru, he is yeah. and a trendy guru as well apparently by all accounts yeah. can you start, start referring to me as the trendy guru yeah uh, so going from tall to small James <laughs> you were uh, you were at Old Trafford along with Christian on Saturday you witnessed Liverpool fall to a 2-1 defeat it's been a few days now since that game I mean what do you make of it all was it just one of those where you can't win them all, or was it one where Mourinho did a number on Klopp, or did Liverpool just not reach the standards, or was it all of those things? <laughs> I think it was all of those things rolled into one. Um, yeah, just a very frustrating afternoon. There's, there's no question that Liverpool were were masters of their own downfall um, with that first-half performance, nowhere near the level. Um, in any department, I think, you know, obviously a big focus on just how soft and avoidable the two goals were two long punts downfield that they didn't deal with, didn't react quick enough to the second balls. But, you know, I, I didn't think any any part of Klopp's team functioned anywhere near the level you'd have hoped for in a, in a fixture like that. Um, and then from 2-0 down, they always had a mountain to climb. Second half was a, a massive improvement. Um, you know, much more intensity and tempo to their play. You know, United effectively shut up shop and... I think in the end you could make a strong case for Liverpool probably deserving a point. Um, you know, it's crazy to think you go to Old Trafford and have 68% possession and, and don't come away with anything to show for your troubles. But they didn't, they didn't use it well enough, did they? I think, you know, I think John Aldridge said in his column today um, that you know, regardless of what you think of Mourinho, you have to take your hat off to him in terms of his tactical plan because it did work. You know, he, he pinpointed a weakness got United into a position of control in the game and then and then uh, they saw out in that second half so yeah a frustrating afternoon um, but you know uh, it's in the grand scheme of things it's not particularly damaging. I mean do you agree with that assessment Christian or do you feel as though the second half there was that was almost as though that's what the whole game you felt it was going to be like that where United shut up shop and played out to you know keep a clean sheet but this time they had the obviously advantage of two goals I think Liverpool did the one thing that they couldn't afford to do and that was concede an early goal I think that completely changed the complexion of any afternoon any any tactics Jürgen Klopp might have had went out the window and, and the fact that it was a, not not actually a gift I mean it was a very good goal by Marcus Rashford but the fact that it came so easily with, with a long ball it just felt like you know, Liverpool had severely handicapped their chances then of, of, of taking a positive result out of the game. After the game, um, you know, in the in the breakouts afterwards, he was I think Klopp was keen to point out. He mentioned that a few times in passing how you you know you, ultimately you can't give a team like Man United a, a two goal start. He said, you know, teams don't score one here, let alone two. So if that's the side you have you have after twenty four minutes, then. You know what? What are Liverpool meant to do? I agree with James on the fact that nothing really functioned at all, and in a way, it's quite heartening that it was such a closely fought game because if Liverpool played really well and still being bested by Manchester United, I think that would be more of a concern. As it was, I thought the defence had won their poorest game since Van Dijk came in. Um, I'd probably say the poorest game in the league um, defensively since he came in. Um, I would say that the midfield wasn't. 
and this will sound a bit harsher than it's meant to be, but it wasn't fit for purpose for that particular game. I felt the you know players like Oxley Chamberlain and Champ play at a much higher level when there's tempo to the game and there's a flow to the action and it just wasn't going to happen against Manchester United Old Trafford because we know what Jose Mourinho does. We know he likes that stop-start nature, especially in the big games. So what it meant is that the, the onus was on Chan and, and Oxley chamberlain and Milner as well to, to create something from almost like a, a stop-start position and I don't think that's any of the strong points. I think Henderson, that's his strong point. I think Wijnaldum, that's his strong point. I think they keep the ball better, whereas I think that Chan and Oxley chamberlain and, and even Milner to a degree try and force it. They're always looking to go forward. They're always looking to, to penetrate those lines. And then, of course, up front, it was... Certainly since Coutinho left, it was the worst game that the front three have played as a collective. That was in part because of what was happening was, behind Was them. it worse than Swansea? Yeah, I think it was, because if you think about the Swansea game, there were, up, there were chances there, there were, there were Gilshead chances. Um, there wasn't much space to exploit, whereas there were a couple of times there against Manchester United where you think, well, you know, I thought Mane, um, I thought you know, he set up the goal, of course, but I thought his first touch was really off and some of his decision-making was poor. But for me, you know, to be fair to him, did really well. For you know, he did all he could with with what with what he had to deal with. But then you've got you know, Mo Salah, you know, a very rare quiet game from him. And even when he has the quiet games, he can explode into life. But he didn't, you know, he didn't wasn't given that opportunity. So that all being said, the fact that Liverpool went so close to to getting the points off Manchester United and probably should if the, if the penalty decisions went their way, just shows you that you know. To use club parlance, that they're in a good moment, they're on a good way, and um, long term, there's 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 no real worry there about what Manchester United have to to offer. I mean, Paul Christie mentions and the penalties. I mean, Liverpool could have had about thirty-seven in the second <laughs> half. I mean, you were watching it on on television. I mean, I saw it back later on, and I must admit, I didn't realise that the Fellaini one on Mane was quite so obvious at the time. At full speed, you thought, oh, you know, he's made the tackle or there's a collision, but that was almost what. You know, Tottenham could have had about 13 penalties against Liverpool for that. Yeah, um, I was I was with you. Actually, I didn't realise how <clears throat> kind of blatant it looked until until later on. Um, I thought that one was a penalty. Um, the Valencia handball, I think Match of the Day pointed out that it was like 13 yards away, so you could make a case for that one as well. And the Eric Bailly one where he, he kind of shoves Milner to the ground and made think that merited a penalty. But Liverpool certainly should have had one with Mane and, and Fellaini. But... I was kind of begrudgingly impressed by what United did because Liverpool got one back, I think it was on like the 66th minute and there didn't seem to be any football played until, you know, full-time. I think, I think the ball was in place yeah. about a minute yeah. for the next yeah. five. Yeah, went down with a, with a calf injury for five minutes and then Smallham went down and they were taking the time over goal kicks and, you know, it, it's not great to watch but it got them the results and, you know, you kind of wish that Liverpool would be a bit more like that, you know, in certain games. There's, you know, how many times have Liverpool been pulled back this season to, to draw and... You know, just like a little bit more, you know, the dark arts, as they call it, a little bit more streetwise. Liverpool might have had a few more wins. But, you know, as I say, begrudgingly impressed with, with United's approach. It, it's not great to watch it, and I wouldn't like to watch it, you know, for 38 games a season, but uh, certainly got the results at the weekend. James, talking about, you know, Mourinho doing a number and getting the job done, this is something that Liverpool, as I mentioned just then about the Swansea game, they've come up against this a few times this season, and... While there's all this talk of, well, great, they go to Bournemouth and score four and go for score five at Brighton, and I think they, they, they put four past West Ham both home and away, they do have these games where they just can't seem to 
to break through for all of David De Gea being very good all season. He didn't have a single save to make, did he really? No, and that was that was one of the big contrasts, wasn't it, compared to other games against United in recent years because quite often we've been left to reflect on De Gea being their best player and, and, and keeping them in it at times. But I think what Liverpool mustered two shots on target in, in 90 minutes and, and both of them were pretty much hopeful pot shots. De Gea didn't have a, a really serious save to make and, and the goal Liverpool did score was obviously a complete fluke with Bay, Bailey making an absolute hash of Mane's cross. Um, yeah, it was... It was just a really disappointing attacking performance, wasn't it? Because we'd spoken in the build-up to it about you know, Liverpool going there in in such a, a purple patch and, and you, you fancied them to, to cause United a lot of problems. And also Liverpool have looked a lot better in terms of breaking down teams who do just part the bus. Um, but, you know, as Christian said before, just the, the front three were nowhere near the level. I, you know, Ashley Young played very well against Salah, but I didn't, I didn't think Salah did enough to try and get himself involved. He seemed to just remain on the periphery. I don't know why him and Mane didn't swap sides at times, or or just even just give Salah a license to just go and go and stay central. How, how did more. Mourinho also get one over Klopp? Not just Liverpool, but yeah. this isn't the first time either. Because I think the, the the game at Anfield earlier this season was a draw, and I think Mourinho after the game was like commending Klopp for not making the expected substitutions where he thought he'd go for the game, which then opened the game up for United. Yeah, I think I think he did do a number on Klopp. I think um, when you look at it, what is it, four Premier League meetings between them since Mourinho came in. Obviously, was it two goalless draws at Anfield, the 1-1 at Old Trafford last season, and then this defeat. Um, yeah, I think I, I thought Klopp picked the wrong team. Um, Did you think it was the wrong team when he was named? Yeah, I must admit, I was I was amazed when them, we... I was amazed that Oxlade Chamberlain was starting. Um, you know, I, I can I, like no criticism of Oxlade Chamberlain in terms of his form going into the game had been good, um, but I just didn't think that was the game for the makeup of that midfield. I think you know we, we tended to have seen Oxlade Chamberlain play in those those type of games against lesser teams at Anfield where he literally just does have a licence to go and attack. Klopp usually in those big games goes for solidity and, and energy and legs in midfield and and tries to just get control and that, that's why I was I was very surprised that that he that he left out Henderson and, and Wijnaldum. I thought one of the two of them would and, and should have started. I think Was that not to do with the injuries and the illness that the, then, the then what suffered? I don't, what I don't get my head around with the Henderson one is why play him for 90 minutes against Porto in midweek in a dead game? Because a, f- a few weeks back, you know, he left Henderson out against West Ham and said you know, it was a precaution, you know, we have to manage Jordan at times. And you know, that, that was why it maybe wasn't a great surprise that Henderson wasn't picked, bearing in mind he played 90 against Newcastle, 90 against Porto. But there was no need to play him for 90 against Porto and he was also he was really impressive against Newcastle I thought Henderson and in a dead game against Porto did well again and I just thought it was one of those days where Liverpool really missed Henderson's drive and energy and even his, even his ability to to move the ball quickly at times and against against you know the, the red wall that they were they were faced with I didn't think Chan didn't have his his, his best afternoon Milner was was disappointing um, and that was one of the big factors I felt in the first half, despite, you know, obviously Lovren copped a huge amount of flack for coming off second best with Lukaku and young Trent Alexander-Arnold endured a tough afternoon. But that midfield area was a was a, was a a massive key area in the game and Matic and McTominay were, were, were so much better than, than Milner and Chan and, and Oxlade-Chamberlain was 
was, was nowhere near the level we've seen from him recently. Do you think Liverpool missed a trick then with that midfield? Because McTominay, obviously, no Pogba there. He's somebody that they could have got on top of and dominated, but with the players that they selected, they just left into it, basically. Yeah, I do. Um, I mean, I actually don't think Pogba playing would have been necessarily a bad thing, because I think if Liverpool would have come at United with a bit of high intensity and on the, on the, on the press, I could have easily seen Liverpool winning that ball up the pitch a couple of times um, you know Pogba's a brilliant player but he is susceptible to, to being dispossessed so I wouldn't have minded to see Pogba start but you're right with McTominay um, you know I think he's a, he's, a, he's a capable young footballer isn't he but I don't think he's anything special he's certainly on paper is the, is the worst midfielder in that in, across the five who played in that game for United and Liverpool I just think again with Henderson does get his criticism and, 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 and people don't see what he does, but it's in his absence where you do see the type of the type of things that he would bring to this, the team. Now, fair enough, I think people would point to the fact that Henderson started against Manchester City away and he started against Tottenham away, and that was a 5-0 and a 4-1 defeat respectively. Um, albeit, you know, the City one was with 10 men and, and all that mitigation, but... You know, in a game against Manchester United where there's got to be some sort of tempo, there's got to be some sort of onus on keeping hold of the ball, winning it high up the pitch, just putting United under pressure. He's the sort of player that, that, that is needed in that. He just gets the team maybe five, ten yards further up the pitch and then we'll put both McTominay and Matic. He could play a Matic, but he, you know, he's not the quickest. Um, his pocket can be picked as well. And it just didn't seem to have the, the flow to the, to the, to the set-up that, that normally is there with club size. It just felt a very fragmented performance. It was the defence, the midfield, the attack. It didn't feel like they were bound by one strand or anything like that. And what that means is that if all three don't perform well, then that's, you know it, it, it becomes a very difficult football game to win. Paul, are you slightly concerned about the mental strength of this Liverpool team? And what I mean by that is... You can see the two goals in that. Was it ten minutes against United, or, yeah. or two goals in ten minutes against United? When they played Tottenham earlier this season, they conceded two in about eight minutes. They conceded two either side of half time against Man City, which killed the game. Okay, they were down to ten, but then and they conceded three in about five minutes at Arsenal, and they didn't win any of those games. But it seems to be that this team, when it's these big games, when they concede a goal, that's when the opposition know right we can get at these now because they're either going to not so much in a sulk, but the the rocking. And I know this is the same for any team when they concede a goal, but. Liverpool who've got these aspirations of being you know, title contenders and aiming to try and get into the latter stage of the Champions League. This is going to be a problem if they play these big games away from home and they've got this mental weakness or this, this clear this problem when they can see the goal. Yeah, well, <clears throat> they, they say, don't they, that you know, teams mirror the, the, the manager and I think that, that is the case with Liverpool. You know, the, the full throttle and the, and the, the frenetic and, and you know, the, the adventurous and, and the attack. Um, and it's it's the same when they concede, you know, for all the the, the full throttle when they're on the attack, when they concede, it's a similar thing, you know. Teams can sort of can get at them. I mean, we've seen it particularly with uh, with Sevilla away, you know, Liverpool cruising in that game, and, and you know, they just felt a bit in the, in the second half. Um, similar situation with Manchester City when when they went to the the Etihad and, and you know, beaten out of sight. Um, so th- that is a concern. Um, but it also comes down to personnel as well, doesn't it? I think um, Alexander Arnold, you know, I think he's going to have a, a fantastic career at Liverpool, and he's had, you know, a, a, an incredible season. But um, he's, he's still young, and, and to go away to Old Trafford, um, you know, is, is there a more daunting experience for, for a young Liverpool player? 
Um, well, he played his first game there, didn't exactly, he? Exactly, yeah. Though, yeah. And, um, and he, he was caught out, wasn't he, for, for the first goal with a, with a great bit of skill. Um, and I, I think Lovren as well, I, I mentioned on the pod last week, I think that that kind of atmosphere is, you know, is conducive to a bit of a Lovren meltdown. And okay, he, he got beaten with uh, with Lukaku with the flick on for the first one. Uh, there's there's no shame in that. Lukaku's on on the best strikers in the Premier League. But for the second one, he, he kind of saw it as a, a bit of a slight on his ego. So he's gone. Okay, well I'm going to win this this time, and hasn't. And United have scored pretty much the identical goal, and and uh, Liverpool are two 0 down. I mean, is is it all Lovren's fault then? This James? No. Do you no. think as though people are a bit harsh on him because they don't want to criticise Trent for what's happened because the reasons that, that Paul said he's he's young and also he happens to be a local player? Well, no, I think you look at you look at the goals and it's not just down to Lovren, is it? I think you look at the well, certainly one of them, Chan, is five yards yeah. away just ball watching when you know I think the, you know it's been analysed and, and they're right that you know you've got to, if you can't win the first ball there's no there's no disgrace also mm. losing an aerial challenge to Lukaku as, as Paul said he's if, one of the best in the Premier League it's interesting that they didn't seem to swap and put Van Dijk on him yeah I think yeah John Aldridge touched on that in his column today saying you know why why didn't Van Dijk kind of take responsibility because he is clearly stronger in the air in the air than, than Lovren but also if you go back to Anfield earlier on the season you know Lovren had a fantastic game against yeah. Lukaku at Anfield mm. so you can't. You're not. You're going to get everything go your own way, are you? You kind of give Lukaku um, a bit of credit for, for being intelligent enough to just, you know, mm. sit on Lovren rather than Van Dijk. Yeah, I mean the the first goal is you know, Rashford times his run absolutely brilliantly, doesn't he? You know, he he, he gambles on the. He doesn't know that the flick on is going to go there, but it drops perfectly for him. And of course, Trent could and should have done better. You know, probably should have shown him down the outside rather than letting him cut in like that. It's also it, it happens so fast, and it's such a fantastic finish from Rashford. It was very easy after the event to to point fingers. But it's funny at the time, but in the office we were going, "Oh, could the keeper have done better?" Then we saw the replay, and we we're like, "No." No, and even the second one's a bit unfortunate as well because there's the deflection off. Yeah, it's a bit lucky. Could have taken yeah. it anywhere. In the end, it gives Carriers absolutely no chance. And I think, you know, I think some of the pelters thrown at Lovren is unfair because he's, you know. You, you look at the way that he has fought back since that meltdown against Tottenham at Wembley, and he, and he has put his Liverpool career back on track. And I don't think what happened on Saturday at Old Trafford completely undoes all that. He's been you, he's been much better than John yeah, Matip on form yeah. since January. How do you think he actually played? Well, right, well, well yeah. this is the, this is the thing. In, in, in my ratings, I give him I give him a five, and, and people were saying, but he made the two, you know, ultimately game changing. Decisions to, to well the, the actions to to be beaten in the air by Lukaku, but I've also other than that, and I, you know it's what I suppose this is the problem with Lovren. It's always he, he's an eight out of ten, eight out of ten, eight out of ten, and then bang, mm. something wrong go, something wrong happens. But I thought in general, especially in the second half, I thought he really had the best of Lukaku. There was one side and challenge, albeit. At the, towards the very very end, where where I think the game pretty much gone on. <laughs> he lost his Yeah, there was that one as well. Um, the one where he, he somehow didn't get a foul, did he? Yeah. In the first one, then got back up and then you know made no no bones about the fact that that one was a foul. But I thought he was all right in general. Um, you know, I thought Van Dijk was all right in general. It was just look, it, it, it happens after these sorts of games against rivals, especially the feats where the reactions are always going to be, you know, dare I say, knee-jerk and, and reactionary. I don't think they're knee-jerk. I think it's more the more intense. More, I think it's more intense. And I think, but, 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 you know, I've seen things and, you know, again, 
disclaimer, social media is no real gauge of, of, of you know, level-headed thinking sometimes. But Trent is, you know, Trent is, um, is too young to be playing. He's never been good enough. Lovren's an absolute disgrace. Uh, Liverpool haven't got this. You know, Jürgen Klopp's too... You know, Jürgen Klopp hasn't got the tactical nous and the ability. I think ultimately, you just look at that isolated 90 minutes and what it was was a team who were bang up for it. We're handed the 2-0 lead and then sat back and, and, and were lucky to, to escape with the three which, points. Which is exactly what Tottenham did. And exactly if, what Man City yeah. did. That's the if, thing. If, it's if not if just one of those penalty time decisions, decision. If one of those penalty decisions had been given and Liverpool escaped with a point, then the focus would have been A, on a gutsy Liverpool fight back mm. and a real morale boost. In to result. be fair, they'd, also, they'd, have, they'd have probably missed the penalty anyway. Though. <laughs> and Mourinho would have got absolute dog's abuse for the manner in which he just completely surrendered the initiative in the second half. So it, it is fine margins. I mean, this will sound like sour grapes. And, and, you know, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think it is. Uh, you know, it, <laughs> You're not convinced. It just felt to me that, that United game Look, it's a game where two rivals are playing. Tension is always going to be high. You know, fans will be delighted no matter what. And the league table doesn't bear this true, really, because obviously Man United are now five points clear of Liverpool. Although I would suggest that's mainly because of the respective starts and the fact that you know, Liverpool didn't quite hit the ground run until October, whereas United were winning, 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 winning. Um, but at the same time, what I would say is that it really did have the feel that. United were, were, were almost like the, the, the giant killers there. And I'm not saying that in, in terms of... Look, United play their football and it's effective for them. But it just felt to me as if they saw Liverpool as a massive scalp, more so than they normally would, because they're obviously one of the most hated rivals. It felt as if they were the the team that was sort of with their backs against the wall and that they've... You know, they're no, not they, a very good team. Well, they, they thought they're, they never gonna, they're, ne- they're never going to out-football Liverpool, so let's beat them a different way. In exactly the same way that they did with Chelsea a couple of weeks earlier. You, know, you saw that game. Even though Chelsea scored first, you just had this feeling. Mourinho's doing a number here on but, Chelsea. But it's, it's exactly the same. But it's weird that's how Mourinho approaches it. That's how he wins stuff. That's a huge mentality of, you know, let's get, let's get our men in behind the ball, sit in, and we'll wait and wait and wait for the chances, and when they come, take them. And, and United do have a lot of good players who they've spent an awful lot of money on. Yeah, well, we, can't, we can't forget that as well, by yeah. the way. I know that obviously Liverpool aren't shy of spending a, a, a few bob themselves, but that, you know, that's an expensively, expensively assembled team there. Uh, I'm not going to say Liverpool are doing well to keep up with them, but you know, a little bit of perspective is required there in the fact that it's City and United who are, who are the big spenders and then there's the next level. I'm going to go back to the penalties then because I was speaking to Christian before and I think I've mentioned this to James in the past and I'm of the opinion, or I'm going to put it out there, that maybe the referees are subconsciously, when they have... 50-50 decision they're perhaps going against Liverpool because of the manager what do you make of that? because of Klopp? I, no why? well because he's always up in their faces I'm, no. just putting this out, I'm just putting this out there because the evidence is you look at the Tottenham game and we're not talking about obvious decisions we're talking about the 50-50 calls the marginal ones look at the Tottenham game they both went to Tottenham didn't they? you'd have to say that you look at the Everton game Penalty went to Everton. Look at the United game. This, you went to United. When there's been like obvious ones that the referees have given them, then you look at the West Brom game with the VAR, and all three big decisions in that game initially went against Liverpool until they were then looked at. I think and the video. More about how poor a referee Craig Paulson is. But I'm just thinking on the lines of, if you're a referee, you've got a 50-50 decision, and you're thinking, what do I do here? And you've got this manager who's gone up and been in the fourth official's face, and you might remember at the back of your mind 
You go, oh, I might not give that. I, I think I'm not saying this is the case. I'm just, I'm just saying playing a little bit I, of devil's advocate. Yeah, might I, this come into I this just human nature? If, if there's any any value in, in the point you're trying to make, I think it'd be wrong. <laughs> 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 any value? How kind? No, very kind. What I'm saying is specifically for Saturday's game. I think flipped around. I think referees would kind of think Mourinho is going to bleat and bleat and bleat if I give this penalty. And he'll make that the story after the game, and you know maybe that's just a little thing in in, in the referee's mind. I wouldn't really say. As I said to you, though, Liverpool got penalties and converted them at Old Trafford, White Hart Lane. But that and was. The but, but that was last season, and were any of them debatable? This is the thing. I'm not saying about debatable decisions. I'm on about. I, sorry, I think, no, I'm talking about obvious yeah. ones. I'm on about ones that are like, oh, could it be or could it not be? But you don't think you just you're unlikely to get fifty-fifty calls when you're playing at. Well, at home, at home against at home against Tottenham. But then that wasn't you know, that was the, the one against Tottenham. The, the linesman gave that, gave that, didn't he? The ref, the ref. Well, it doesn't necessarily it, it doesn't necessarily have to be the referee. It could be the officials. But is it just incompetence officiating yeah. rather than any sort of? I see your point. I just I, 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 I don't think Klopp's any worse than a lot of other. Well, I agree with you. I agree with you on that. I mean, I think one of the worst ones is Sean Dyche just forgetting in fourth officially never stops. Does he? He never stops. I'm not saying Tottenham as well. Tottenham's assistance is that is that I don't the the little jumpy up fella. We all know what we mean. That he's 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 almost like his fixer. He's like Pochettino's fixer, and you know he's he's not closer to you know putting out a hit on the referee if he gave a free kick against Tottenham. So you know, I think I think a lot of referees are. Oh, what, <laughs> <laughs> I no, I was just putting that out there, yeah. looking at it from a certain point of view. That you know, that there'll be some fans who'll now be pointing at the mobile devices or whatever, listening to this ongoing. Ian, what you're talking about? You're talking nonsense. Or they'll be saying, "I agree with him completely." Probably, case, they, probably pro- they probably need to be taken outside and out a quick word too. Um, but now, James, before you said that Liverpool, it's no great damage. But <laughs> what was seven points and a chance to go ahead of fourth place and a chance to go into second? Sorry, second place. Ahead of fifth place. I'll get this right in a minute. Basically, <laughs> Liverpool had a seven-point gap. Yeah, in, yeah, And now it's down to four, and they're now they're down to fourth. Yeah. yeah Are you worried? They, because they've, no, got to go not, to, they've got to go to Chelsea. No, I'm not they've worried. got to go to Crystal Palace, and they've got to go to Everton. No, it, no because, well, for a few different reasons. One, because, you know, losing at Old Trafford can just happen. And I don't think there's been... I've seen Liverpool lose at Old Trafford too many times over the years, and there's been times when they've, they've actually suffered a really chastening defeat. The, that has exposed the golfing class and an attitude and experience, and you've come away demoralised and worried. But that wasn't that wasn't the case on Saturday. Um, it's a blow in terms of finishing second. You know, I think. You, know, Do you that, think that's gone now? I don't think it's gone, but you know, I think it's yeah. I think it's a it's a major blow to those hopes. But you could argue in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't it doesn't really matter. I mean, the main thing for Liverpool is obviously making sure they're in that top four. And I think they had a sufficient cushion going into the weekend, which meant that that game wasn't make or break. And, and I, yeah, I still think they're in a, in a decent enough position. I mean, the, obviously the big fixture is going to be Chelsea away. Um, I think it's early May, isn't That's it? That's the next one? to last game of the season. Yeah, um, so that one looks like it's big. But also, I think you look at the fixtures coming up, I'm pretty sure Liverpool played twice, don't they, in the Premier League before Chelsea play again. It could so be think, 10 points clear. Yeah, and you know you look at but we were saying, Watford we were saying, at home. Watford at home, a team who have just been thrashed 3-0 by Arsenal, who have been in crisis. And then and then obviously after the international break, is it Palace? Palace away. Palace, Palace away. away. And again, a team who have been in, in free fall um, and, and back in serious trouble after a spirited revival earlier on in the season. Your favourite manager in charge as well. 
Yeah, mass, massive respect for Roy Hodgson. My favourite football stadium. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah. And which team people are going? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Christian, do you agree with James? You're not particularly fussed about dropping three points in that race to stay in the top. A little four. bit more fussed than you would be, obviously, if Liverpool had taken a, a positive result from Old Trafford. But I think what you've got to remember is that Tottenham and Chelsea play each other very soon as well. So there's there's one Chelsea or, or got both teams. Chelsea have got. City as well have they? No, no, no. City might be champions by then. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's. I must admit, I, I did think. I think it was after the Southampton game, and everybody was saying, "Well, Liverpool's running is quite easy now." And, and you know, you look at it um, in terms of away games. But the last five away games of the season hmm. were They're Manchester United, yeah. Everton, Palace, Chelsea, West Brom. And but West they, Brom. They'll be gone. They'll be, they, they, they'll be they gone. should be gone by then. Um, but you know that. There's no gimmies there apart from West Brom, and even then, it's it's Pardew, isn't it? He's just got that sort of little hex over Liverpool sometimes. Might not be Pardew by then. Oh, yeah, that's very true. Um, so, a little bit more concerned, but I think what you've got to remember is that it's not. This isn't just in a, in a vacuum. This, this, you know, Chelsea have also got to play, and they've also got to win and get football games, and they haven't been in the best of form themselves lately. Alvaro Morata has, has proven a bit of a bit of a flop to be honest and it's, you know, it looks like Conte doesn't really know what he's doing anymore in terms of getting the best out of the players You know, the, the whole Hazard up front yeah. at Old Trafford was a bizarre way of, of dealing with it and then bringing on Giroud and then bringing on Morata for the last minute um, so you know the, the, coupled with the fact that Chelsea and Tottenham got a play so one or both drop points and then the fact that Chelsea although they have got a, a comfortable enough run in I think they got Burnley away is, is one of the standout difficult games there's some guarantees there that they'll that they'll be for probably five points best in Liverpool because goal difference is an important aspect. Mm. And then don't forget, Liverpool are only one point behind Tottenham. They're not out of it as well. They you know they'll be looking behind, you know, over the shoulders a little bit at Chelsea. They're only five points, so it's a fr- I think it's a three way race for two spots, which I think Liverpool at this stage of the season would have taken. Would you agree with that? Yeah, um, I mentioned a few times. I think Liverpool should have aggressively attacked fourth, and <clears throat> that's that, that's what they've. They've done and what they're going to continue to do. Uh, I think five points is probably a little bit too much to ask for for United team now. You're looking at them losing twice, aren't you? Um, but I think um, essentially it doesn't really matter now. You know, with the new Champions League rules, top four are automatically in there. So mm. I, it, it, I don't think it matters too much. It was just kind of um, just, just offering more tangible signs of, of progress on the clock if, if they finish second or you know just basically improved on last season, but. Um, as long as to, to keep Chelsea uh, at bay, and you know, I think it can be considered a successful season. I think the points tally as well is, is a tangible sign. What are, what are they on now? Sixty, is it? They're on sixty. If you look at it, and they win the home games and beat West Brom away, which I know we've done this a million times over because they won't win all of those games. It never happens. But that's seventy-five, and they only need one more point, yeah. and they've matched last season's yeah, tally, exactly. which was the highest tally you ever needed to get into the top four. Mm. Do you feel as though they may need even more this season? It's really difficult to. To assess Chelsea and Tottenham, to be honest, because I mean Tottenham were impressive, but Harry Kane's out injured now. Yeah. We do, we don't know how bad his injury is, uh, and as I said with with Conte, it's it, it, it's such a, a tinderbox there at the moment, and I don't mean the the, the <laughs> messaging the <laughs> <laughs> dating app on on, on, uh, on iPhones, which you don't know anything about, obviously. Uh, obviously no. not. No. And, um, you know, is that a big distraction. Yeah. Conte, <laughs> like, <laughs> all the Chelsea fans are swiping left. Shooter's not around West London. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's one of those where if he gets wind of of the fact that he's getting jibbed off in the summer, 
Um, it, it can easily become a, a you know another situation where they they finish sixth. You know, it's just one of those those situations for Chelsea. It could easily uh, explode there. So. I can't remember what the original point was. I think we were just talking. We were just talking about without Antonio Conte. Yeah. Top, yeah. 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 top four finish. Um, yeah, okay, so which four? Okay, City and United, we think we're going to finish 1 2. So we'd say, are we saying Tottenham Liverpool as well? Yeah, Tottenham Liverpool, yeah. Does the fact that Tottenham are out of the Champions League, does that help Liverpool or hinder them? Uh, Probably hinder them. Yeah, it doesn't help Liverpool, does it? Yeah. So the fact that Liverpool are in the Champions League, does that help or hinder Liverpool's chances of finishing the top four? I don't think it would have a, a massive effect either way. I think because they're at the FA Cup, I mean, there's no, it's not as if they've got a, a, a massively hectic hectic schedule. You know, I think obviously you have to Watford, you've got the two week international break. Um, so, no, I mean, there's still, I think that's the thing. Like, obviously, me and Christian were there, and 10 minutes after the final whistle, World Trafford's emptying, and the 3,000 Liverpool fans that were kept behind, you know, the, there's flares going off and the songs are being sung. You'd have, if you just walked into Old Trafford then, you'd have thought Liverpool would have won. And, you know, I think that kind of show of solidarity and defiance is linked to the fact that, in the grand scheme of things, it's, it's not a, an absolute heartbreaking defeat which makes you reassess everything and question what Klopp's doing or question the squad. Um, it was just one of those days where Liverpool came off second best, things went against them, they didn't help themselves, but, you know, they're still well placed in the top four and... Know, relishing the prospect of this quarter-final draw in the Champions League on Friday. I'll tell you what I will question. Peas for breakfast. With Gammon, I believe. With Gammon. Gammon, that's not right, is it? No, it's, just that, it's just wrong. I think the omens were there when we got to Old Trafford and we found out that was what was, we were being fed. It's tough, isn't it? Peas it's, at 11 it's, it's no, it's no, right. Yeah, it's no Chelsea or Arsenal, is it? No. No, it is not. Two final things to finish not on. Not even Salford City. Yeah. Uh, I've never been, have you been? No, but I'm just assuming that they don't, sell, they don't do vegetables for breakfast at 11 o'clock. You, what if you had a vegetable for breakfast, what would it be if you had to choose one? Mushroom. I don't like mushrooms. Yeah, neither do I. Yeah, not a fan. Tomatoes. Tomatoes. That's a fruit. I can't believe it. <laughs> we're discussing this on this podcast. Two things to finish sweet with. Sweet corn. There we go. Yeah. No, no, no that's horrible. Thing. No, sweet corn. <laughs> <laughs> they turned off about the club referee thing, I know. Um, Adam Alana comes in. Come on, didn't he? Second mm. half. That's the best perhaps he's looked since he's come back from his latest injury. And the second thing is, Kristen, you wrote a piece on about Roberto Firmino and how much of a miss he would be if he got injured. But and also the fact he could become a problem trying to get an understudy for him. But the point that I wanted to make and you made is that Liverpool had so few goals off the bench for a team that scored so many goals this season. You take away the, the you know the eleven or the twelve or thirteen people who regularly start. There's nothing there, is well, there? Well, I think to be honest, if you take away the front three, then it starts. I was surprised. I don't think you realise until you look drill down into the stats. But you know, the fourth highest goal scorer is Philip Coutinho, and he hasn't. He's been in, in Spain much. for two months. <laughs> um, after that, it's Chan with six. After that, it's um, the, the Oxley Chamberlain with four, and then Trent with three. <laughs> and an own goal pulled level with Trent on the, on Saturday as fifth highest goal scorer for Liverpool. So it is a concern. I mean, you know, there's mitigating factors there in the sense that uh, Ings has been injured a lot. Solanke's still only a 20 year old. Lallana's been out all season. Van Aldum just once he leaves the L postcode, his head goes. Um, you know, in front of goal at least. Uh, but it's it's just one of those situations where. You've got to look at it in the summer. I think there's no doubt about that. Me and James were talking about it on the way back, and but 
as you say, one of the problems raised there is the type of footballer Roberto Firmino is. It's, it's hard to find an understudy for him because if he does exist, this, this Firmino understudy, he's probably not going to want to sit on the bench for Liverpool because he's such a good player and he's probably going to cost a lot of money. Were you surprised Ings wasn't on the bench, Paul? He wasn't on the bench, was he? No, he wasn't. No, wasn't yeah, surprised Ings was not on the bench because I didn't see yeah, any yeah. good reason why he wouldn't be. Well, that's true, yeah. I mean... I mean, I don't think I'm being wise after the events, but obviously we've discussed it before about Sturridge leaving, and okay, he's currently injured. Um, but I, th- I think it was just a strange one to let Origi go, to be honest. Well, he's, he's not having a great time in Wolfsburg at the moment. <laughs> he's not, no, but you think you'd, you'd fancy Origi off the bench more than someone who, who's yet to score a senior goal, and he's only, what is he, 20, 21? Mm-hmm. And Danny Ings, who hasn't scored for two and a half years, since before Klopp was even the poor manager. Obviously, he's had a terrible time with injuries, but... It just goes back to what we've all mentioned at some point. Behind that front three is you know a bit of a, a bit of a dearth in, in quality and a stark drop off in quality. And it's a, it, it's a, that that's Liverpool's biggest worry, I think, um, for the rest of the season. I think the other issue is that because Liverpool play such a, a particular style of football, it's hard and it's unfair for like a Dominic Solanke, even if yeah. he was even if he was a, a grizzled veteran, for a player of his style, which is sort of route one. I mean, he came on and he just stands out because Salah and Mane are all trying to play these intricate passes and he's just sort of standing there as, as plan B if you will also they took off Alexander-Arnold and Robertson which was just that's exactly what I was about to say yeah, yeah that was I mean Solanke must have thought brilliant I'm coming on and then Liverpool's two best crosses of a ball are getting taken off so I couldn't really understand the, the substitutions on, on Saturday I th- I th- the other thing that occurred to me was it was one of the few days since Coutinho left that you were watching on Saturday thinking that was a game when Liverpool did really miss him and Liverpool have coped amazingly well without him but that was a day when you just needed a little bit of magic to create something out of nothing Um, and as Paul said there is far too much of a drop off between that front three and and when it's not happening for them which thankfully has been a very rare occurrence this season and when Klopp has to turn to a Solanke um, or an Ings and it's something that's going to have to be addressed in the transfer market this summer because you know, obviously, Sturridge will move on. Um, Origi hasn't had a great year in Wolfsburg. It'd be, be interested to see what they do with him in the summer. Um, but there's no question Liverpool need better backup. Right, that should do us. Join us later this week where we look ahead to the game against Watford and we announce some farewells. Cheerio. <laughs>